Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Woo! We got double up. That means a double preacher right here. Look at this, right? Woo! How we doing, Greater? How we doing? It's good. It's so great to be with you today. I had a, I had a fantastic time. Man, yesterday we had a great time. We had a great time with Pastor Chino and Pastor Lydia. Can we just give it up and just bless them? Just thank you for their being, their leadership. Incredible. Let me just tell you this. Pastor Chino has vision with a capital V. Come on, somebody. Right? Like capital V. My name is Jamie Bowles. I'm the CEO of Pathmaker Foundation, Pastor Victory Church in Yorktown, Virginia. And what we do at the Pathmakers Foundation is we discover, fund, and walk with leaders who want to build economically sustainable ministries in every state and every zip code. And we're named Pathmakers for a reason, because we want to push the bounds of what's possible. We want to push the bounds. And so what happens is we get contacted all over the country and, um, and we go see pastors and we sit down with them and we go, what do you want to do? What's God called you to do? We take that vision, we put it in strategy and we push the bounds of what's possible. I would introduce to you um, my COO, incredible woman, just brainiac, smart, keeps us in check. Crystal Agnew's with me from Miami, Florida, right here. Big shout out to uh, my chief intellectual officer, Dr. Charlie Self in Denver. He has our Denver office. Crystal's in Miami. And we're going to pray because we're going to get Crystal up here in Atlanta. Come on, somebody, right? Go get her here. That's it, right? I'm going to lay hands on and do it right now. Colleagues and I, we put out a book called Life in 5D. And what we did is we took our life in five dimensions, and we took it in a way that we said there's our spiritual life, spiritual formation, personal wholeness, healthy relationships, vocational clarity, direction for my life, vocational clarity. And all of that centers on work and economics. Because how many of you know we're here for Sunday so we can do Monday better? Somebody say hello, right? We don't make disciples for Sunday, so we make good church people. We make disciples for Monday. So there's a, there's a heresy that we talk about, the Sunday-Monday heresy. And then what we did is we took those five dimensions and we ran statistical instrument on it. It took us about 10 years. We went all around the country, talked to pastors and boards, executives, PhD types, MBA types, and ran a statistical analysis. We can actually measure this. And uh, Pastor Chino, I want to give you this book. I wrote a little... Uh, in here, Pastor Chino, may the Lord bless you and you continue to bless and pour out his spirit on greater. I pray this book and assessment help you to make greater disciples. That's for you, Pastor Chino. Come on, brother. It's great to be with you. If you're watching us online and make sure you click, say hi, connect with us, because I'll tell you what, I've spent 48 hours here and I've seen God do incredible things. Incredible things here, greater. And I want you to know this. Lord spoke to me this morning. I was going through our teaching. And I want you to know that God has something in store and is bigger than you can ever think, feel, or imagine here at Greater Church. And I'm telling you what, I don't say that very often, right? Because we get into some, we get into some crazy situations at the at the foundation. We got a church in DC and we're like, whoo, they are just pushing it, right? But I'll tell you what, I have not seen a pastor that has this kind of vision. This kind of vision, right? So we're going to get into the muck and mire with y'all. 
We're going to take it where it needs to go. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. I'm from Yorktown, Virginia. I want to show you this picture. This is an incredible place where I'm from. This is Yorktown, Virginia, and uh, I live in the Williamsburg, Yorktown, Jamestown area. And we did an incredible thing in 1781 in Yorktown, Virginia. We won the American Revolution. We did, right, right here. This is where my babies go to the beach, right here, right? And, and they look and they see, and every time we go to the beach of Yorktown Beach, I go right here. I go, this is where these scrappy Americans with like missing teeth and no education and you know, muskets, right? We beat the greatest empire in the world. And you know how we beat the greatest empire in the world? We had some French buddies, right? So, I mean, we had, you know, Rochambeau and all this, right? Y'all watch, y'all ever seen Hamilton, right, on YouTube, right? Like, Yorktown, 1781. Now, I'm not a rapper, right? Like, that's Pastor Chino. That's what he does, right? Right? So, 1781, that's my town, right? I live right there. And listen, the United States, the American, the scrappy little Americans, you know how they beat the greatest empire in the world? They did it one simple way. They built a blockade, and they cut off their resources. They cut off their guns, and they cut off their money. And as I travel the country, I will tell you this. I will see the attack of Satan is going to happen against the church in two ways. It's going to be the confusion of human sexuality, and it's going to be the cutoff of financial and corporate governance. They're going to go after what makes us made in the image of God, our ability to recreate and partner with God to have children, confuse our sexuality, and they're going to go after our corporate governance and our money. And I see it across the country. I see pastors that are holding on to pulpits because they need a paycheck. I'm seeing churches that are closing because they don't have enough money. I'm seeing churches that are closing because baby boomer pastors have put churches in so far in debt, they just can't pull it out. And I want you to see this. In the middle of this chaos of war, you can still go to the Diggs house today in Yorktown, where those two houses are, and you can see a garden. And in the middle of chaos is a garden. In the middle of chaos. It's not interesting that you would think in the middle of all of this death and destruction and war, there wouldn't be, there would be more chaos than there is. But in the middle of this is the idea of a garden. You know what you do in a garden? You plant, and you grow, and you build, and you flourish in the middle of a garden. Check this slide out. I want to show you this. See, what Pastor Chino is trying to get you all to do, and what he's trying to form and make disciples on, is that you all need to be all in to what God is doing here right? And I spent a whole day, I spent a Friday night and a whole day with your pastor asking him a thousand questions. What kind of vision do we have? What is God calling us to do? And I love this quote he said last week. He said, everything in life has steps. And it's not just inspiration, but it's practical steps. I told your pastors this yesterday. I said, I'm so tired of sitting with pastors and going, we got vision, we got vision, we got vision. I go, great, how are we going to do it? I don't know. I like, I don't know, right? So at the foundation, that's what we do. We help churches, we help ministries to take steps so we can move from what is broken, folks that are broken, and move us far from God, right? When you're broken, you feel like you're far from God. And we want to help encounter here at greater so that Jesus in every day, every day Jesus. Hello, somebody? How many of y'all know you need Jesus tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.? 
when you all like checking emails and emails keep going in, right? You know how this is, right? HR sends something out and you're like, nobody understands this. Nobody knows what this is because everybody's going to go back to what they're doing three days ago because some knucklehead somewhere and some branch did something stupid, right? Isn't that how it works in HR, right? Right, you're going to show up at the work site and you're going to be like, why in the world did somebody do this? Because now I got to spend all day ripping out what they did to put it right back together. See, what happens is steps are missing in our life. And so what we want to do is we want to take these steps to be able to move us from point A to point B. And I have been in your pastor's, I have been in your pastor's heart and your pastor's head. And listen to this, church. He wants to move you to this place of spiritual maturity so that what we do here on Sunday looks like it happens on Monday. See, because the reality is we live between today's brokenness and tomorrow's wholeness. How many of y'all know and be around people that are broke? How many of y'all broken yourselves? Look, if y'all need a perfect church, I got a couple of places I can send you, right? Because this is a place where broken people are welcome and loved, right? Broken people are loved. You know, I tell you, church, really bugs me sometimes how life just kind of hangs on a thread, doesn't it? Just hangs on a thread. It's all about this relationship moving from point A to point B. It's all about if I lose this job, what happens? If my, break, my car breaks down, I can't get to work and I can't move. And the... Are you with me? Right? See, what happens is how do we live between a world where we feel the tension of what is and what could be? That tension between what is and what could be. See, and this is where you and I live in this place we call exile. Because see, sometimes God allows us to go in a place of exile to teach us something new. Sometimes God has to take us to a place where we, we don't speak the same language and we don't eat the right food and we don't wear the right clothes. And sometimes we've got to be in a place of exile to know God, to find freedom, to discover our purpose, and watch this, I love this about greater, to make a difference. How many of y'all live in this sense of know what exile is? We have any first, first, first generation Americans in the house today? Anybody got an immigration story? Yeah. I know I look like a white guy from the suburbs, right? I know that, but mi madre es Americana. So is it Tejanos? So Blanco Mexicano. Right? We went to this taqueria yesterday, right? And I walk in, and I saw Coke behind the counter, right? And I, I look at this Coke, and I go, I said, excuse me, my sister. She looks at me. She's like, oh, I get this all the time. I know exactly what she's thinking in her head. She's going, oh, bueno, which means white guy, right? She's like, my cousin, Roberto, you know what he calls me? You know my nickname? Right? He calls me Weddle. Isn't that funny? I'm like, bro, you're whiter than I am. What's the deal there, right? Come on, man, right? So I'm like, yes, uh, Coco de Mexicano? She's like, see, that's Mexican Coke. Y'all know about Mexican Coke? Oh, it's made with sugar cane. Right? It doesn't have syrup. It's got sugar cane. So it, it's so smooth. You like drink like, hmm. And it's got a little tasty. You're like, ooh, Coco de Mexicano. It's so good, right? So good. So my family, we're, uh, we're Tejanos. I've, my family's been in Texas since Texas was in Mexico, right? Just been playing that, that whole thing, right? I mean, I got stories of my family. They're like, yeah, they had a hurdle, the, the herd of cattle. They're in, uh, they're in Mexico this month. 
We going to go get them? No. Not going to spend all that money, go get that herd of cattle, just let them be. Grass is spicier over there. Right? Some of you all know what it's like to be in exile. I know what it's like to walk into restaurants and have families move because of the color of your mother's skin. I know what it's like when your mom opens her mouth, people give you weird looks. I know what that's like. I know what that's like when you have your grandfather and your grandmother in. You start speaking Spanish. People just look at you. <laughs> I know what it's like when the political narrative doesn't run in your favor. Hello, somebody? I know that. During our uh, political angst we had a number of years ago, I just, I just kept looking at my grandfather on, uh, on my refrigerator, and I was like, hey, granddaddy. Right? His name was Jose Amaro. And what was funny is my grandfather was an engineer, had a PhD in architecture. My grandfather, my great-grandfather was an engineer, and my great-great-grandfather was an engineer, and my father's an engineer, and then there's me, the preacher. <laughs> you know, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. My second di discipline is economics, so maybe that helps, right? But I don't know, right? But I know what that's like to be in exile. You all know what that's like to be in exile. See, biblical exile is this. It's the idea of alienation. Longing for something more, no matter where you live. No matter where you live, there's a sense of exile. That you know, yeah, how many of you are in office politics right now? You know, and you're like, I can't believe I got to deal this. I can't believe I got to navigate this. And I, I have no idea how that vice president got that job, right? Hello, somebody? You're like, who's he paying off or sleeping with? We're just going, right? What's going on here? I don't understand this, right? How many of you are in family situations where families aren't being what family should? Hello, somebody? See, in all aspects of our life, in certain places and certain levels, we all live in a sense of exile. We all live in this sense. And see, part of the human condition is that you and I are far from God simply because we are human and we are fallen. Are you with me, church? See, exile is this, is this narrative. Go to this next one with me. Let me show you this. That lives all over the place. When we see in Jeremiah 29 this idea of exile, what happens is we see that out of um, not following the law, Israel has not followed the law. Go back one for me. And what happens is because Israel has not followed the law, they don't have this deep understanding of what they should be doing. And so because they don't have this moral compass, it has ramifications in their economics and the way that they move their society, issues of justice. And trade is not being executed properly. Certain people are being um, marginalized out of the ability to have trade in the market. And wealth is being concentrated, not distributed. And what happens is that out of the punishment out of this, God sends Babylon, and God says that now your enemies will come and take you. And what happens is that when we stop following the things that God has, it has moral and practical ripple effects and ramifications. Come on, somebody. 
And so what happens is Babylon has this concept of called population switching. And population switching is this. I take my best and my brightest, my smartest, and not only do I take them from Israel, I move them to Babylon, and I take Babylonians who are the best and brightest, and I move them to Israel. And not only do I take everything that you have in terms of your money and your resources and your land, but now I take your culture and I breed you out. Population switching. You see, exile doesn't just take on this idea of being foreign, but now everything that you've come from has been taken. You see, the idea is this. Not only do I kill you now, but I kill your generations to come. But not only, but let me tell you this, church, God always leaves a remnant. And you know who the remnant is? <laughs> it's amazing how God uses the remnant is the poor, the abused, the marginalized, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant. Come on, somebody. These are the people that God uses. And the prophet Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 29. Go with me here. If you can pull up your app, your smartphone, your dumb phone, your paper Bible. Anybody holy? Anybody still got a paper Bible? Right? Holy paper Bible, right? We're going to do some Hebrew. Can you do this with me? Here we go, Jeremiah 29, 4. It says, this is what Almighty God of Israel says to those who are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Those are in, God has asked Babylon to carry into exile. And when you are in exile, what are you to do? Come on, church, watch this with me. Woo! We are to build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what we produce Marry sons and daughters, find wives and daughters, and to marriage, so that they may have sons and daughters, and increase in number, and do not decrease. Also, watch this with me. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, and pray for it. Because what? Whew. Pray for it. Because if it prospers, you too shall prosper. And this is what the Lord God Almighty says to Israel. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams and encourage you to have them. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. See this church? In the middle of exile, greater church, in the middle of exile, God says to promise. God says, to flourish, to prosper. I was walking around your neighborhood, driving around with Pastor Chino and Pastor Jason, and we had everybody. Everybody, we, we, we had a whole bus, right? Pastor Lydia, we're driving around. We're driving around, and as an economist, I'm looking for, like, capitalization lines. I'm looking for gentrification lines. I'm looking for where, where does money flow? What do people do? And at the Pathmakers Foundation, we use a definition of economics that is collective human behavior measured in empirical data. In other words, we want to know, what are people doing? Why do they do it? Why do people do it, and where are they spending their money? And I'm driving around, and I'm like, this, this is the craziest place. Because we got $600,000 homes on one street. Three minutes down the road, I got a big old trailer park we're going to buy, and we're going to revitalize. Hello, somebody? Right? And so I'm looking at all this, and I'm like, what? And last night, I'm like, God, I'm trying to run data and look at data sets and 
And it does, the data doesn't make any sense. And I'm pulling data down. I'm like, I don't get this, Lord. What in the world? And you know what the Lord dropped in my head? The Lord said, I pl- Pastor Chino, this is the deal. He said, I have placed greater in a strategic place to be greater. So that's why you put the church in the middle of all these counties. To be strategic. See? Because what others think is exile, God says you flourish. You flourish in the middle of exile. Can I tell you about our church, one of our churches? One of our churches we work with, they're, they're in uh, eastern Washington on the Idaho border. And I'm flying, I flew into Denver, and I had no idea where I was flying. I just flying. Anybody ever been to Denver Airport? It's unusually large. What is that thing? It's like, it's a hallway. It's just one big hall. And I'm like, does this thing ever, I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm like, does this, I thought we did big. I'm like, what the name of God is this thing, right? It's a hallway, right? I'm walking around in like, you know, dress shoes. I'm like, I need my Nikes. What's going on here, right? Like break out the Under Armour workout shoes, right? Like, come on, right? I'm like, what is going on? We're driving out there and, and I'm flying and I'm flying. I finally land, talk to this, this Mexican church we're working with. And I'm trying to get a hold of them and see what's going on. And the data set says they're, they're 30% poverty. And what I see is uh, sick families of six, mom, dad, four babies getting in their $150,000 F-150 truck. And they're, they're driving around and they're going to their 1,500 square foot little brick house. And I'm like, okay, wh- where's the poverty? Where's the poverty? So I asked our pastor. I said, pastor, do you have an accountant in the church? They're like, yeah, we have an accountant. I said, well, where, where, can I talk to him? They're like, you want to call him on a Saturday? Yeah, hablamos. Let me talk to these people, see what's going on. Talk to an accountant. I said, well, I don't understand, because the data set says we've got 30% poverty, but what I see is all these fam- big families, right? Six big families, right? Getting in their $150,000 F-150 trucks, going to farming land. I'm like, what's going on here? They're like, oh, pastor. Yeah, can, can I do my Spanish accent, right? My family accent, can I do that, right? My heritage accent. They go, Pastor, yeah, what, what, we, what we do is we take, uh, we take one family and we bring in three or four families and then we make an LLC and then we buy a yucky house and then we revitalize it and we make it all nice because we're all craftsmen. And then what we do is we strip the equity out of it and we start another LLC and we put two other families in there and then they revitalize the house. And then what we do is like in five, ten years, we own a whole neighborhood. Yeah. I'm like, so you just leverage the equity out of these houses you revitalize. Oh, Yeah. I'm like, how'd y'all know to do this? They go, oh, well, you know, we take one of the other kids that, you know, he doesn't know how to do anything. He's a cra- he doesn't know how to do anything because he's not a craftsman. We send him to college, and he comes back, and he tells us what to do. <laughs> I'm like, that's the game you guys play? Oh, yeah. I'm like, so you don't own anything. They're like, no, we show a loss every time in our companies because we own our cars to our LLC. We own our houses to our LLC. We don't own anything. We don't own anything, and we control everything. I'm like, you're all capitalists. They go, oh, yeah, we're all Republicans. We are, yeah. I'm like, you're all crazy. They're like, I know, isn't it fun? I'm like, you're all geniuses, right? You're all geniuses. See, because here's what the church has understood, and here's what God is calling greater to do. It's to flourish in the middle of exile. 
Because here's what we think about this in terms of economic theology. What we have is this. We say that we have a prosperity gospel, right? And so God wants you to marry the pretty girl and get the hat and the, like, and the big billboard and the, uh, and the nice cars and the, and the planes because the demons are on the other planes and we got to get our own plane, right? And so what happens is we get our planes and we get all this money and we're like, because God wants you to be wealthy. And, and church, there's a thing called the problem of evil. Hello, somebody? Where the world is broken and busted. Are y'all with me? And so what we have is you have these economic fallacies, these economic heresies, if you will, these anti-biblical ideas that says the prosperity gospel says God wants to bless you with health and wealth. And then what we have is the poverty gospel, which comes out of liberation theology, which is Marxist, that says God hates the poor. I mean, God hates the rich, loves the poor, and he wants you all to be humble and poor so you'll fully rely on God. So you have prosperity gospel here, poverty gospel here, and biblical gospel says no. It's not the prosperity gospel, not the poverty gospel. It's the flourishing gospel. The flourishing gospel. And what does a flourishing gospel look like? Let me show you what flourishing gospel looks like. Gloria to Somebody say santo with me today. Santo, right? That means holy in Spanish, right? For all you beautiful white people, right? So here's the deal, right? So what a healthy, flourishing church looks like is the church leads the community in flourishing. See, watch this, watch this, watch this. We look at this, church, and we think, Jesus help me. You see it around the country. We think, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough people. I can't do what God's called me to do. I can't, I can't, I can't. The reality is the kingdom of God does not move with big branding and big money. Watch. The kingdom of God moves through relationships. You see that? At Victory Church, we say this all the time. We say the currency of heaven is relationships. Right? And what we do here matters up there. Hello, somebody? Are you with me? See, healthy flourishing means the church leads the community in flourishing. So let me ask you this. From a sociological perspective, break this down with me. Where do people go to get relationships if they don't get it from church? Where do they get it? You know, I'm, I'm a footballer, right? I played soccer my entire life. Um, and I loved it. I lost the national championship my sophomore year. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. We lost three to one. We got spanked. Whew. We got spanked by Palm Beach Atlantic University. They were all Argentinian. <laughs> I couldn't catch them all day. I played that tiki tiki style ball. Man, that thing was fast. Like literally, I played left wing fullback. And my whole game, I was like this. I was like, hey, Kikanis. Like, hey. I just kept moving that ball all over the place. I was like, my gosh, right? I don't know where I was going with that, but it was just kind of funny, right? <laughs> so this idea, right? I mean, I played football my entire life, and I love the game. And um, a couple years ago, you know, I got my son. My son played ball, and, uh, and he was all into football. And he's a Topham Hotspur fan, so we got to pray for him, right? Get the deliverance to be a Man U fan, right? We'll pray for him, right? Pull that demon right out of that boy, right? 
He's 6'3", he's 205, he's a big old boy. My daughter's this little bitty baby. She's like, <laughs> she's like 5'2", blonde hair, blue-eyed, right? Woo, she's at Gordon College right now in Boston, like going to take over the world. Whew. I was horrified because one, one of my parents on my soccer team said, you know, Coach, I really just love our new soccer family. Because this is where my community is. Now that sounds nice. And that's cute. But I'm like, has youth soccer really replaced church? I'm like, where do people go to get healthy relationships? They go to greater church. Come on, somebody. Look, churches grow one way. They grow because you invite people to be part of this community where you have found that you are loved and cared for. Come on, somebody, right? Are you with me? That's how churches grow, right? Watch us Go to this next slide with me. Community leads, and when we lead the community and the church leads the community, we lead it by leading ourselves. One of my college students, she said, God's called me to be a leader. So, Professor Bolts, who do I lead? I go, you. She's like, what? I go, Don't, I didn't lead an organization or like a nonprofit or a business. I need to be a leader. I'm like, yes. The first person you lead is you. And see, when we lead ourselves and we lead our families, Jeremiah 29.5 says, we build houses and plant gardens. Which means this. When we plant houses and plant gardens, in Hebrew, it's this idea of build. It's this idea that it's a sign of security. And friends... When you build a house, whether it be an apartment, condo, a house, a townhouse, a mega house, a McMansion, whatever house you build, you are building a sense of security. Pastor Chino and Pastor Lydia are building a house that has a sense of security, a sense of family, a sense of grace. Your greatest resources in relationships is right here in this building. Hello, somebody. And what we do is we build, when you build houses, mom, dad, make sure you have family devotion, read a little bit of Bible, pray over your children. Because when you build a house, not only do you establish it, but watch the Hebrew word here for plant a garden, means that you establish a house. And what you do in your house has generational ramifications. You know what? When we talk to boards and we talk to churches, right? And, and uh, uh, Crystal can tell you this. We sit down with these boards and we go, what does the church look like in the next hundred years? And they're like, what? I'm like, what do your spiritual grandchildren look like in the next hundred years? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know either, but I know this. The financial substructures we put in place now will carry the next hundred years. They're like, I don't get that. What we do now, and we plant a garden, and we put seed down, and we plant, establishes the spiritual and financial backbone of our churches for the next hundred years. Come on, somebody. Right? Jesus will come back in that time, and when he does, we will say, why did you do this? And we will say, because I didn't know when you were showing up. But I wanted to make sure that generations of Christians were taken care of. 
So that's why I waited and we prayed and we fasted and we invested and we bought a building rather than going a million dollar debts of a building. Hello, somebody? And we leveraged it so we could build and plant for community. And when we did this, we got people from the community actually on the board of this thing to understand how we can solve a problem. Because when we begin to solve problems, we plant gardens. It, scripture asks us in Jeremiah 6 to what? To increase. So when you build gardens, you build families, and then you increase. The Hebrew concept is to be great. And what that means is to grow and to be great. Right? The Greek translation of this is actually megas, where we get the word mega from. So when we build, we're building roots and we grow. Whew. Jesus, help me. Let me do this, church. Just because you can't see it all doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right? A bamboo tree, bamboo tree will sit in the ground three or four years in germination. And it will grow, no lie, 15 to 20 feet in the first six months. You know why? Watch this. Jesus, help me with this. The stronger the foundation, the larger the ministry. The stronger the foundation, the larger the ministry. And what God asks us to do is when we flourish, we build, we plant, and we increase in the middle of exile. And what do we do with this garden? Check this out, church. Scripture says this. What do we do? We plant and we produce. Anybody in small business today? Check it out. Small business owners, let me tell you this. If I have another conversation with small business owners, specifically men in their 50s, that said, I have been, I have been successful, but now I want to be significant. I go, that's so good. How many employees do you have? They go, 15. I go, how many houses did they buy? 15. How many children did you help put through college? 27. How many, style, what's your payroll like? I got 28 people on payroll. I think that's pretty significant. 15 people bought a house. 27 children went to college. 28 retirements were funded. Because of who? Because of you. Because you started that concrete business. Because you went to school for 18 months to learn coding. Which, Jesus help me, nobody understands that. <laughs> Are you with me, church? Talk about being an exile. I feel like a digital exile sometimes. I'm like, what the heck? So one's and zero. I got to pay a guy how much money? I put out something on Facebook to talk to what? I pay a guy to manipulate Google. Isn't that funny? I got a guy on staff at church. We pay him to manipulate Google. Somebody goes, church near me, we pop up. Right. Right. Like, that's a job? <laughs> like, you went to school for that? Right? Jesus, help me, right? Who won that? How come my attorney's 250 and my plumber's 190? Right? My plumber handed me a bill the other day. I'm like, $723? How long did you go to school? He's like, 15 months. I'm like, Phew. you want a PhD? You have it. All right? <laughs> See, you know what all this does? You know what planting, building, and increasing leads to? Watch this, church. It leads to shalom. You know what shalom is? We like to say it's peace because it's a bumper sticker. Mm-mm. Hebrew concept of shalom is mercy, justice, wholeness, right? It's everything that we have. 
And when we at Greater Church, when we build, when we plant, when we increase, we bring shalom to our families, to our neighborhoods, to our zip codes, and it happens through our church. Because when we flourish as a world, we build houses, we plant gardens, and we grow families. And watch this, church. This is what's really, really important. God has a plan to reach the world, and it's us flourishing. There is no backup plan. There is no plan B. God trusts you with the work of the kingdom of God. You are the vehicle of the kingdom, and God trusts us because you and I are the flourishing church. Come on, somebody. And when we flourish, what happens? The city flourishes. God has given greater the authority to flourish. And how do we do that? Just like Pastor Chino talked about last week, through relationships. Y'all remember this verse from last week? Proverbs 27, 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what we really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. Young people, listen to me here, right? I preach this to my young people all the time. Whew, teenagers, listen to me here. You do your 20s right, you will live off of the equity of your 20s into your 40s. Are you with me? I'm in my mid-40s now, and my equity from my 20s is just starting to wane. I've been living off of that education, those networks, those friends for the past 20 years. Are you with me, my friends? You're under the age of 20, young people, do your 20s right. Do them right. Go get the trade. Go get the education. Marry the handsome guy. Get your family moving, your direction God's called you to singleness. You thrive and flourish. Plant gardens, build houses, and increase. Because if we increase, the city increases. Are you with me? You see, Greater's flourishing starts in Ackworth. It continues to Kennesaw, and it moves to northwest Atlanta. Why has God put you in the strategic place he has? Because as a data scientist, it don't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because the data's all over the place. It doesn't make, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. You know why I don't know what I'm looking at? God revealed this to me. You know why I don't know what I'm looking at? Because <laughs> we haven't dropped our campuses yet to fix those problems that God's called us to fix. There's people that are dying of relationship starvation who need the gospel, who need practical outreach. God's put us here as a hub so we can hub out and move. Come on, somebody. You see that? And they planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourished in the courts of God. Where is your court? It's the same place your garden is. Wherever you go. You bring flourishing. Even in the middle of exile. 
even in the middle of exile. Pastor Chino, this morning I was praying. Because this last one. I was praying, Pastor Chino, the Lord spoke to me today. And uh, the Lord wanted me to let you know about this, Pastor. Can you just stand up? I feel like this is the Lord's word for you right now, brother. Watch what this says, right? And this is what the Lord Mighty says. When you seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile, pray to it for the Lord. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I believe this is for you, Pastor. And yes, this is what the Lord Almighty God says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in your name. And I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Pastor, though people have said, I don't think it's going to work, Chino. I don't see it happening. You've been working too long. It's not working. I just want to put in your heart right now, that is a lie. That is a lie. Right? Watch what the rest of this passage says. Right? I'm just going to read scripture over your life. Whew. And this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back into this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call upon me and pray, and I will find them, and I will bring them back from captivity. Pastor Chino, here's the deal. The same word that is used here for plans for prosper is the same word in Hebrew that is used when it talks about prosper. It is shalom. And God has given this church through you this sense of shalom, the sense of mercy and grace and peace and wholeness. And though those voices are saying one thing, I know that God's voice is saying the complete opposite. Because God's vision for greater is to flourish. Santo, gloria de Dios. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My Greater Church.